0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the weekend edition of the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Here's Weston Nakamura to break down everything you need to know.
1: Hey everyone, Weston Nakamura from Real Vision in a very snowy Tokyo today. Uh, And I'd like to talk about the Bank of Japan, BOJ. And so I give you Haruhiko Kuroda, the governor of the Bank of Japan.
0: Exactly a year ago that we sat in these very chairs overlooking Davos and its mountains to talk about monetary policy. The world has changed,
2: for the worse. Partly was, and uh, we have uh, further room to expand our uh, QQE, if necessary. (laughs)
0: <laughs> in fact, Governor, last year in Davos, yeah, yeah. right, we, yeah, yeah. we were talking, I yeah. to you really yeah, yeah. almost day per day yeah, yeah. In, in 2015, and yeah. you're telling me that um, you mm. would and could be much more creative mm. in, in expanding mm-hmm. stimulus.
2: We have been uh, purchasing a government bonds substantially. At this stage, roughly speaking, one third of the total outstanding government bonds uh, has been uh, acquired by that. To that means that still two stars <laughs> remain in the market. <laughs> in your you see, the the um, stock market is stock market.
0: Nikkei <laughs> today rose quite significantly <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. on on the hope yeah, yeah. and the thought that you yeah, could yeah. do something. There. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So this is how he always is, like in English speaking settings. Um, he's not a clown. He's uh, a hilarious dude, right? Um, And it would be amusing, if not for the fact that, in the very near future, uh, this guy is essentially going to single-handedly be holding the global financial markets together, or at least attempt to. And so that's kind of terrifying. Okay, so let me explain what I'm talking about. This video is about the Bank of Japan. If you think that the Bank of Japan doesn't matter, or if whoever... Just looked at the title of this video and therefore didn't play it because they don't think that the Bank of Japan matters uh, a Good luck out there to those who skipped over it. Uh, And B this is exactly why this video uh, has been made Because if you think that the Bank of Japan is some like background central bank or something I assure you that is not the case and so you need to understand uh, what the Bank of Japan has been doing for this last decade of global you know, QE um, that is now being removed one by one globally in 2022 and thereby leaving the Bank of Japan and Haruiko Kuroda, Governor Kuroda, as the only central bank left, major central bank left, that is not removing accommodative policy. And if not for Governor Kuroda and the Bank of Japan doing what they've been doing, essentially over the past several years, then in this current environment, bond yields globally would be through the fucking roof. And therefore, tech stocks and the S&P would be through the fucking floor. I put out a thread about this on Twitter yesterday. Um, And so I'm going to just expand on that in this video today. But... Bank of Japan is a major central bank of extreme significance and consequence. And investors globally of all asset classes need to understand what it is that the Bank of Japan has been doing all along and what it means when the Bank of Japan becomes the only central bank left that is currently providing any sort of accommodative policies uh, to global financial markets.
0: It must be very <laughs> difficult to ignore the markets. I right? think oh. The, the... It's cool.
1: See, that's the thing I got to give Kuroda is that um, if you've ever traded before or if you ever had any capital at risk in markets, um, be it your own or if you work at an institution or, you know, ever felt pressure from markets and stress or anything like that, and it's adversely impacted your decision making or adversely impacted you in, in general, Governor Kuroda has the weight of dollar yen on his shoulders more than that right and yet his exterior behavior does not reflect that because i've been i've been stalking this guy for like a decade now right i truly believe that he his demeanor it's come in handy if not like saved japan and global financial markets because you know he's made grave policy mistakes before He's come under the fire of markets, of of international press, of domestic press, of of lawmakers, of fellow central bankers, um, and certainly of the public and, you know, financial markets participants and everybody, right? If he, like, cracked under the pressure, or if he, like, had a single drop of, like, sweat run down his face at any moment or anything like that, um, as opposed to this, like, I am so confident, look at how cool and relaxed I am in my policy. If it were the other way, who the hell knows where we'd be. I don't know if it's an act, I don't know if it's involuntary, I don't know if it's both. But if you want to see someone who can handle pressure, this is your guy. Like, portfolio managers freak out, right? Professionals and whatnot. This guy is long uh, 500 trillion yen worth of JGBs to a point where he cannot turn back. And he literally laughs it off. right now as we speak like already underway um that all of us need to be paying far more uh attention to than we are um before i get into that and sort of like the policy background of the the boj um, because it's very important context i'm just gonna show you a clip of a video that i made uh about a year ago um about the bank of japan and basically, like, d- describing why, in a more broad sense why the Bank of Japan is the world's most consequential central bank, if not one of the world's most consequential institutions, period, okay? This was shot outside the Bank of Japan itself. So, take a look at this. Bank of Japan. That's that building, that's that drab-looking building behind me. Um, this is, you know, if you if your kids ever ask you the awkward question of where do new Baby Yen come from, uh, the answer is right there. Or if you ever have the rather tough conversation of where do JGBs go to die, uh, answer is also right there. Uh, In all seriousness, this is one of the most powerful and influential buildings worldwide, particularly for the developed world, okay? And the reason is because if you are of the belief that central banks um, significantly influence and, and shape the world in which we live, Um, by deciding how and how much capital and resources are allocated to where. Um, If you believe central banks can crash and save economies, if you believe that they can set the stage for presidents and prime ministers to get elected, re-elected, not elected, um, if they underwrite globalism and populism, if they adjust balances between market capitalism and top-down price control, Um, if they have direct influence over wealth divides between rich and poor, young and old, um, if you are of the belief of any of that, then the Bank of Japan is the most significant society-shaping institution in the world, because this building is ground zero of radical monetary policy experimentation. Um, This is the central banker's laboratory for the developed world, and that very much includes the Fed and the ECB. For better or for worse, Bank of Japan leads the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, the ECB, the Bank of Canada, the Swiss National Bank, the Reserve Bank of Australia, and all of them, right? They lead them in policy framework by roughly like a decade or so, maybe a little bit less, eight years. And that's because Japan leads the rest of the world, the developed world in aging demographics and national debt levels. So for the last two decades, like nearly everything that the BOJ has done policy-wise is considered like this is radical and unprecedented you know thing then only to be later adopted by its peer central banks themselves Um, so while all eyes are fixated on everyone's respective central banks wherever you live all central bankers eyes are focused squarely on boj and the results of their actions or inactions and consequences um, and, and they use it as a guide for what to and what not to do Um, assuming that they even have that choice. Okay, so that's the real fundamental significance of the BOJ. Um, and will always be. So no matter what they're doing or not doing, or like if they happen to be in headlines or not in headlines for like a certain amount... Like that, none of that matters. That reality that I just described in that video will always remain. And that's why Bank of Japan matters. Um, more than any other central bank, because they are the farthest in the hole. There's no other central bank, major central bank, That is currently, you know, long, more than half of issuance of, you know, sovereign debt of its country, right? Like, nobody's gone that far. Nobody's controlled the yield curve, especially for this long. Nobody's done any of the things that they do until they end up doing it themselves. Um, And so that's why it really matters. Um, Also, yes, I am very uh, obviously aware of what... The Fed, the ECB, the Bank of England, the RBA, all all of them are currently doing too. No, I am not saying that they're insignificant. They are all extremely significant. What I'm saying is that if you think that the BOJ is not, you need to add BOJ to the list of significant central banks and not forget about it just because the wall street journal or the financial times or whatever, doesn't happen to talk about them. And, and yes, I'm aware of all the central banks, uh, that have respectively done something to impact markets, especially, you know, sovereign yields over the last, like, you know, week or two, um, or, or are expected to Right, us CPI. That's uh, like coming up any minute today. Um, you have Bank of England last week. Hike rates with MPC vote was, like, split to, to go even further. Um, RBA, ditched yield curve control. Recently, they stopped bond buying altogether today. Uh, ECB, this, like, pivot meeting that shook up, you know, the the European sovereign debt market and, you know, pushed yields. Like, you have, like, so like German tenure yields are now in positive territory for the first time since, like, 2018 or 19 or something. Uh, Italian BTPs, Italian yields... Italian 10s are up like 70 basis points from sub 1% um, in the last like month. And then like, you know, Austrian yields, Ireland, Netherlands, Spain, Portugal, like Greece, they're at like 20, 30 month highs. Um, And then of course, obviously U.S. uh, yields that are surging, 10-year yields approaching 2%, 30-year real yields are in positive territory, 2-year treasury yields basically doubled year to date. Two's tens curve flattening to uh, last I checked was like fifty or so, from like, from like eighty just a month ago, um, and then you know we had like strategists like uh, I think Bank of America just came out calling for like seven rate hikes in 2022, and like another four or five for 2023, you know. Uh, so so I, I get my point is I get all of that. Okay, I know what else is going on, and yet I am saying Bank of Japan is that important and matters more. That's what my point is, okay? So if anyone wants to, like, tell me, like, inform me about what's going on in, like, global macro, by all means do so. Duly noted. Thank you. Uh, I am now just returning the favor in advance about BOJ. Now, everything that I just mentioned for, none of that's news, right? We all know what we're focused on, and therefore, it's like none of these central banks can actually shock markets. They can and will move markets, but I'm talking about, like, Shocking, like markets, to the point where like markets that are completely blindsided by something out of left field, uh, because it's currently completely out of sight and mind. Right? There's no major central bank that has that kind of like invisibility. There's there are no major central banks that can suddenly like emerge into existence, except for the Bank of Japan, because nobody's paying attention to them. And when that happens, it can trigger a Global cross asset trillions of dollars moving, major scramble around and repricing. So, people who are like predicting, you know, how many FOMC rate hikes and ECB, you know, policy predictions and, and whatnot, I want to ask them do they know when the next BOJ policy meeting is? Or do, do they know, do they even know when the last one was? Give or take a week, even. And the answer is probably no. And so that's why BOJ, like, not being on people's radar is exactly why BOJ needs to be on your radar in and of itself. And it really needs to be on the radar because of uh, what is currently happening with the Bank of Japan and other central banks, okay? This is the only major central bank that can and might actually throw a wrench into every single one of these other, like, Central bank projections um, and and actual policy actions, um, because these these forecasts these are all done under the assumption that BoJ will continue to not exist in headlines, which is horrendously stupid. Um, let's forget risk management. That's just basic one on one like awareness. Okay, so here's the deal. As I mentioned, BoJ is still the most radical major central bank uh, with policy experimentation and implementation um, by far. BoJ assets as a percentage um, of GDP is well over 100%, has been for the past five years or so. It's more than double that of the the next runner-up, which is the ECB. Uh, BOJ owns, you know, like I said, more than half of the outstanding JGB market. Um, and now that the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, now that they ditched, you know, their little dabble with yield curve control, BOJ is back to being the only central bank doing yield curve control. Um the only major central bank that it's not only not tightening policy globally but rather is still very much on an active easing path as it has been this this whole time for over over the past decade plus since abenomics uh, as you know approaching its like 10th year nobody else is easing everyone's tightening everyone's lifting rates or about to or expected to or winding down bond purchases and so on Um, except for BOJ, and and I'm excluding like the weird idiosyncratic like basket case outliers like CBRT of Turkey, PBOC of China and whatever, right? So I know that BOJ has had like, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 consecutive policy meetings unchanged, but just because uh, policy has been unchanged and therefore not getting like any focus and attention by like media or whatever. That doesn't mean unimportant or non consequential, and it definitely doesn't mean uh, inactivity. Policy on hold does not mean inactivity. So, the fact of the matter is that the world has been addicted to the Bank of Japan's policy, namely yield curve control, knowingly or otherwise. And for the first time in seemingly forever, the BOJ is currently facing this moment of truth with wide scale global market implications. Okay, so. Um, Before I, you know, I'm going to get into what that current situation is, but I'm just going to give also a, like, this is going to be the the least comprehensive and most incredibly oversimplified glossing over of the BOJ policy steps taken under Governor Crota, who is the longest tenured central bank head, you know, currently in office. Like, uh, this dude overlap with Bernanke, to put things in perspective. But it's critically important to know how we got here, even on a very general basis, okay? So very quick... Here's what happened. BoJ, uh, when Kuroda came in in 2013 um, at the start of Abenomics, BoJ was already stuck at the zero bound, and they kind of they already pioneered that. They pioneered QE, uh, well ahead of the rest of the world and ahead of Kuroda's tenure. And so when he was appointed by uh, Shinzo Abe to carry out arrow one of Abenomics, which is aggressive, insane monetary policy, uh, monetary easing. Um, he carried it out, um, starting with his first policy meeting in 2013, with QQE uh, quantitative and qualitative easing, print yen by JGBs and by equity ETFs and basically snapped Japan out of decades of deflation that followed the massive like asset bubble bursting in the late 80s and the early 90s and then having no follow-up recovery ever since then. And it worked at first, you know, in 2013 when, when uh, Kuroda launched his first major QE QQE bazooka um, you saw s- serious market moves and this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about right um, you saw dollar yen uh, which is one of the most you know heavily traded and prominent currency pairs globally dollar yen made a 50% move in the span of two years or so from pre Kuroda like you know right when he got nominated to like peak Kuroda in like 2015 From an equity perspective, if you measure uh, the performance of the Nikkei two two five index against the S and P five hundred, from the point of when Kuroda was appointed until current, the Nikkei has been consistently outperforming the S and P, sometimes by huge margins, over that same period, um, until this most recent like current sort of spate of volatility that we that we have. Um, So. QQE in 2013 starts off as a a success. Okay, then April 2014, Abe shoots himself in the foot with the consumption tax hike. Uh, Japan gives back all the the CPI progress and goes into recession. Uh, Nice job. October 2014, Kuroda shocks markets with a massive step up in QQE. So this is QQE like part two. Expanded the the target of the monetary base to uh, 80 trillion yen essentially JGB buying, um, 80 trillion yen per year, and he also triples ETF purchases. The markets rally, the yen gets crushed, JGB yields plummet. and But from that kind of moment on, Kuroda just gained this reputation of becoming this like shock and awe, you know, cannon blaster. And then every BOJ policy meeting since then, markets were like braced for something. Like what's crazy Kuroda going to do now? 2016, 2016 is Bank of Japan's year. So, first of all, you have um, negative interest rates uh, in the January policy meeting. Uh, That was another shock and awe sort of policy release. In fact, Kuroda, uh, that footage I showed you earlier of him um, at Davos, that was uh, a week before uh, negative interest rates. And he was actually asked at Davos, very point blank, um, you know, what about like Japan? Will Japan have negative interest rates? And he says, very point blank and directly, no negative interest rates in Japan. One week later at the monetary policy meeting, negative interest rates are announced in Japan. That was a policy failure that became very evident within that day, uh, as the markets kind of traded positively for like an hour or two, and then it reversed course, and then you saw a dollar-yen. That was the last time you saw a dollar-yen with a 120 handle, um, as it basically spent the next six months on this decline all the way down to crack through 99 and print 99 on Brexit Day. Um... It was just for a moment, but nonetheless, it did print 99. But you cannot take back policy once it's announced, right? You can't, there's no mulligans, there's no redos. You have to live with that. So that was made like very clearly evident that that was a policy like failure or mistake, but they have to live with that. And so what happens is that the longer that they ha- they have it in place... Uh, The more that they're kind of stuck with it because the Bank of Japan just suddenly just removes the negative interest rate Like uh, when when economic conditions haven't changed or warranted any sort of policy change then It's gonna be like what the hell was that like what? Why are you why are you removing this? Why are you changing the policy? Why are you taking the negative interest rate out now? Why haven't you done it all along? This this is a policy mistake. This is why you're doing this and the reason that matters is because central bankers their currency is credibility if you don't have credibility you don't have anything and so if you lose credibility right on the spot because you are trying to undo some policy even if it was from years ago and even if it is very evident that this is not a a good policy you lose that credibility then whatever comes immediately next to replace not having negative interest rates or whatever it is um it's not gonna work because you've you know blown through your credibility capital so that's why they've been stuck with it and un- until either financial conditions or economic conditions change enough to warrant a removal of it. So first half of 2016 was a, essentially a horrible year for not just J- Japan assets but global. Um, and a lot of that could be tied directly to the Bank of Japan and like the, very much the risk-off um, sentiment that came um, that, that emerged out of that. Uh, again, BOJ's like, like influence. Obviously you had Brexit and all that kind of stuff too, uh, but that was in mid-year. And then back half of the year you had uh, the Trump shock win election win and then you had the risk on from there. But for the first half of the year that was um, a BOJ policy like mistake. Then in September of 2016 yield curve control is announced, and it then that was the last time that there was any sort of policy change out of the Bank of Japan to this day. September 2016. After that it's just been no change, no change, no change through you know market rallies and volatility spikes and through pandemics and whatnot boj has just been completely unchanged on this like autopilot yield curve control policy Uh, however that does not mean that that's to be ignored or anything like that yield curve control is arguably the most significant monetary policy that's been in place amongst all central banks in the last half decade and I'm gonna explain why right now yield curve control first of all What that is, is there's two parts to it. It's the policy rate, the front end of um, the curve uh, at minus 0.1%. Okay, that's the negative interest rate. And then the second component is that they pin the 10-year yield, the 10-year JGB yield, at around zero. So how do they do this? So there's two ways that the Bank of Japan buys JGBs. One is through what's called a competitive auction. This is just a regular scheduled BOJ JGB bond buying operation. Um and like the the date the the JGB itself like the tenor, the what maturity and all that and the quantity all of that stuff is released in advance. Like quarterly, it used to be monthly, now it's quarterly, and then the the buys are, you know, the buying is executed at 10:10 10, 10 a.m. on the days that they are buying. Um, this isn't really easing, per se. This is kind of just standard BOJ, like, you know, bond-buying market manipulation uh, measures. Um, the second way, though, is called a what's called a fixed-rate operation. This is when the Bank of Japan steps in and offers to buy an unlimited quantity of any JGB at any time, such as when yields get too high and away from this around-zero area. Now, a fixed-rate operation when the, in which they... Offer to buy an unlimited quantity of of JGBs, basically putting this like this impenetrable floor under markets. Um, it's impenetrable because it's an unlimited printing press, but having that it, it completely negates the the first one, the competitive auction, right? The scheduled um, bond buying because that's nice that you have a schedule of of bond buying, whatever. But they could also step in at any time and buy an unlimited amount of JGBs whenever they please. So. That second one is like the real easing. The first one is just kind of just for show. So that they don't get like accused of like um, stealth tapering or nonsense like that. So that's how Yield Curve Control works. So basically between QQE 1 and 2 and then Yield Curve Control, Bank of Japan has amassed, you know, uh, half a quadrillion yen, you know, of of JGBs uh, on their balance sheet. And they have effectively killed the JGB market and... When you corner the JGB market, it makes it easier to do this yield curve control because there's less JGB's outstanding and like kind of trading out there um, for which to like sell and fight the Bank of Japan with. However, at the same time, when you've owned more than half of JGB's outstanding, it means that there's no turning back. Bank of Japan cannot start to like, you know, sell or unwind and start selling jgbs into a non-existent market that they own more than half of the yields would go go through the roof and they have just based you know in the past just based on um like rumors and suggestions that they might consider tapering i'm not even talking about selling just like tapering so that's how sensitive the market is this is global yield too that's how sensitive the market is towards like the punch bowl away
0: you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to LipsynAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um,
1: as I mentioned before a thousand times, I'll mention it again because this is very relevant, Bank of Japan's yield curve Control is indirect U.S.- and European yield curve control, but mostly U.S. Okay, so you have Japanese cash hoarding, uh, elderly and aging, you know, um, households, you know, corporates, asset managers, uh, investors. And they're sitting on piles of yen uh, in cash, in need of yield. If JGB yields are pinned at zero, then Japanese investors buy overseas bonds like U.S. Treasuries, and thereby cap U.S. Treasury yields. This is how Japan became the largest foreign creditor to uh, the US because they will buy US treasuries unconditionally. This is also how you could have a seven handle on CPI and US treasury yields at, you know, below 2% or at 2%. Because the world of US treasuries and the US treasury market does not revolve solely around US inflation or even the Fed for that matter. It is a global market and there are global participants that are that have some serious firepower and they will exercise that firepower as they see fit to their needs. I don't give a shit about how much gasoline prices are like going up in the United States. Um, also, by having yield curve control in place, what the BOJ is doing is it's enabling the Jerome Powells and the Christine Lagards of the world to be behind the curve. And it also allows for Congress and other governments to just run absurdly ridiculous deficits, um, because there's this unconditional cap on, um, on on bond yields and on borrowing costs, and so central bankers and policymakers and and elected officials can take their sweet time doing whatever they whatever it is that they need to do, um, because the Japanese investor is there to you know to, to cap yields. So, as I said uh, in my Twitter thread. If not for the Bank of Japan pushing yield starved Japanese investors overseas, U.S. and global yields and credit spreads would be through the fucking roof. And thereby, the S&P 500 and the tech stocks and all that would be through the fucking floor in this current environment. It's because of the Bank of Japan and their insanely accommodative and globally impacting easing policy that's been running in the background, or I even call it the foreground. Um, for the last half a decade, right? So this is why it matters. This is why you need to know like what Bank of Japan is doing this whole time. Like this is it's enabling all of this this house of cards of these global financial markets to exist in the, in the way that they are. So you basically have almost a decade under Kurota uh, he hasn't you know they haven't gotten anywhere near this 2% CPI target. Um, and therefore they never had to think about talking about thinking about talking about thinking about talking about, um, hiking rates, um, or, or tightening or anything like that. And they, they never had to until now, now things are different because right now you're in a situation in which every major central bank, you know, other than the, the, the weirdo like basket case outliers, like Turkey and the PBOC everywhere else needs to tighten and will tighten. And that's why you're seeing global yields surge right now, as are Japanese yields. Okay, so earlier this week, you saw JGB ten-year yields um, start to approach that upper, you know, bound of where uh, a fixed rate operation might come in. So, you know, 25 basis points. Um, yields right now in, in Japan are higher than they were when yield curve control was initiated in uh, September of 2016. Um, so all eyes were on BOJ at ten ten a.m. you know on on Tuesday um, to see if BOJ would do anything um, if they do a fixed rate op or not, and BOJ just actually stuck to its scheduled like uh, buying no additional like fixed rate operation or anything like that, and global yields actually backed off from that, um, and that was actually kind of the top in um, in sovereign yields for that moment. This is what I'm talking about, like, the the influence that Japan exerts on the global and, and U.S. Treasury uh, market. But what I said in my tweet yesterday was I said that sooner or later, you know, the, the, the climbing yields, they're not just going to back off um, because of BOJ's, like, scheduled buying. So what I said was that BOJ is kind of in, in a rock and hard place because if yields, you know, continue to climb and they, in it calls for BOJ to do a fixed rate operation. And if they do a fixed rate operation and they offer to buy an unlimited amount of JGBs at a time when global central banks are tapering, um, that makes Japan the sole sort of, you know, bond market manipulating, top-down controlling, you know, free market destroying sort of uh, policy force left. Um, Japan's the only economy left that you know in in the hospital bed that's in need of you know like this ICU care, right? And it's 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 terrible for Japan, and it undermines the efficacy of the policy itself. Why is everybody else able to get in and out of these sort of like easing measures, and Japan is just stuck here and not seeing any sort of improvement? um so that's the downside of doing a fixed rate operation to control the yield curve the other side is that if boj abandons yield curve control global markets will implode then just a moment ago bank of japan just announced a fixed rate operation for uh, monday for february 14th now this is something completely new i've never seen this before i've never seen the bank of japan pre-announce a fixed rate operation Usually, its yields get too high during the day, and then they step in at that moment without any sort of hesitation or pre-announcement. They offer to buy unlimited the cap yields. That's how it usually works. What Bank of Japan is doing now is that they're offering to buy an unlimited amount of JGBs at a future date, on Monday, and they're offering to buy them at a level of 25 basis points. In other words, they're offering to buy below current market. So what that means is that the Bank of Japan apparently has a view that come Monday in a, you know in the immediate term in the near term uh, 25 basis points on JGB 10s is not going to be a below market rate. they, they think that global yields are going to are going to crash essentially uh, going into CPI. Mind you also that tomorrow's a Japan holiday and so they're announcing this at 6 pm on the eve of a holiday after jgb traders and all that like are are long gone this is very very peculiar i've never seen them kind of behave this way before um and announce and pre-announce a fixed rate operation at um at a level that's below market rate current so uh i think what they're trying to do is to this is like a defensive move a lot of times, will you know they'll they'll just the, the threat of a fixed rate operation will back the market off. Maybe th- this is what they're trying to do. But if you know CPI comes out in a, in a little bit in, for the United States, if like yields blast through two percent, which I believe that they will because of the options positioning on ten-year U.S. Treasury futures, which is another video I'll get into. This is my my trading video that I was talking about um, about two weeks ago or a week ago. But anyway, on Monday, if U.S. treasuries are yielding above 2%, then Bank of Japan is going to have a fixed-rate operation. And if Bank of Japan can't handle that fixed-rate operation, uh, things can get very ugly very, very quickly. Uh, So we'll see what happens. But either way, the bottom line is that global investors, all of you, cross-asset, I don't care what it is that you trade or invest or whatever, you need to be aware that this, like, quiet boj uh, you know policy unchanged sort of central bank the bank of japan has been a, a critically integral part of keeping this whole you know house of cards of glo- global financial markets together for the past you know at least half a decade and it's soon to be the sole force doing so because every other central bank is about to abandon a decade of this artificial you know intervention and just back off it as if there's going to be no consequences. Well, there's those consequences are being held at bay because of the Bank of Japan, but A, can the Bank of Japan handle that by themselves, and B, what happens if they cannot or will not, and they, you know, throw in the towel? You know, you're, you're looking at a completely different world in markets, uh, absent the Bank of Japan's extremely radical accommodative policy that is the only policy that is still in place. Okay, so pay attention to the bank of Japan, you didn't really have to until now, you definitely have to now, it is the most consequential because people are not paying attention, and because it is actually the most consequential for the reasons I just mentioned. Alright, thanks.
2: It is true that in the last uh, year and a half, oil prices continue to decline, but uh, uh, development as well as... It's impact. Alright,
1: what's, what's your market view though? Like, I mean, where's the DK going
2: to trade? I, I don't say anything uh, about uh, the correct price of stocks. <laughs> Bank of Japan is overburdened. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: Bank of Japan is doing okay. the appropriate things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for watching the video. Uh, if you want to keep up with developments with the Bank of Japan or just markets in general, follow me on Twitter. At across the spread because I'm not gonna make a video for every real-time market observation or commentary that I have and in fact this was a Twitter thread yesterday that then became a video so follow me at across the spread just to keep up to date so we'll see you on Twitter and we'll see you for the next video thanks <laughs>